Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod save the king. Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. It's a new year. It is not a new host. It is still Angrepper back for 2024, more than six years after we did our first show. And Welcome back, Russell Myers, back again for the new year. Excited to be sharing another year of royal excitement with you. I hope you had a lovely time over the festive period. I did. Lovely to see you. Welcome back, listeners. A new year, a new dawn. What will be in store for the royal family this year? Um, Sometimes I like to sort of write down my predictions, and sometimes they might be a bit ludicrous, a bit zany, um, sort of of, uh, Sarah Ferguson having her own TV show. That could give you a sort of flavour about how... He's being tipped for celebrity brother. Well, I'd, I've seen this several times and PRs are furiously sending me emails like this into my inbox. I can't see it, to be honest. I mean, she'd probably be better off in the jungle, wouldn't she? Not metaphorically, just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she'd been in the wilderness before, I suppose, when Philip was around. But I can't see her going into celebrity big brother. But you you never know with Fergie. She sort of uh, had, a, had a stint on British... Daytime television. She's done done America. She's now, you know, multi um, best selling author, isn't she? So you know, sky's the limit. Lots lots of excitement to look forward to. Yes, and happy New Year to you, listeners. I hope you also had a lovely break. But we're going to pretend it's still Christmas because there's still mince pies to be eaten oh, downstairs. Oh. <laughs> Are you mince pie no, I'm tapping out. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, last week was our. Review, review of the year um, I haven't been on the mould wine today I promise um, but we haven't yet talked about all of the fabulous royal Christmasness so we're going to pretend it's still Christmas and holiday season for a little bit longer and um, you know look back at the lovely times and interesting goings on that have been happening over this festive period there's been quite a lot of royals on the TV. There's been some lovely photos, both in real life and shared on the social media. Thank you to the listeners who got in touch with their thoughts on um, the royal festive period. And we'll be sharing some of those as well. But I think, I don't know, one of my my favourite thing, I think, has been seeing all of the pictures and, well, not just the pictures, actually, the interactions between the family, the extended family uh, of the royals as they were as they were heading to church and, and out of church at Sandringham. And, you know, Charles was there. He had, a, he had a Christmas like me. He was there with all of his brothers and sister, all four of them together with all of their families, which was very nice to see. What did you, what did you make of the gathering? 
Well, it was sort of an extended gathering this year, of course, wasn't it? Because of uh, Camilla's um, children and grandchildren were there. Um, so it was sort of like this blended family element. It's you know, very, very modern for the royal family. Um, I I liked it, not, you know, making this a Fergie show, but I loved seeing her back in business. I mean, not, sort of not necessarily walking arm in arm. There was sort of a... a, a um, ways of they were trying not to walk side by side i thought it was a bit more awkward than it should have been with prince andrew but of course he's back in the frame um for the royals and uh sort of stepping up with them in public and certainly we saw that after the king's coronation that uh charles was accepting of his role within the family element of the royal family so not necessarily having a public facing role but certainly being there for family roles and i suppose christmas is certainly one of those times so um again um what do we know from the royals it's kind of take it off don't they i mean they're not back to work for another week or so with not really uh, a big um period of of activity for them certainly leading up to the king's message his second one which i found very enjoyable this year i thought there was lots of elements that we can look at and um and and look at how he's trying to shape his legacy by the by the words and the and the phrases he's using. Yeah, we will definitely come to that very shortly. But I think, and you were you were obsessed with uh, Fergie. I mean, obsessed is possibly a strong word, but it, she is always good to see at these events because she does always look like she's a bit in her element and waving to the crowd and very, always very animated. But I think for a lot of people, um, the Tyndall girls were the real treat. I mean, Mia upgraded herself and well, just wanted to hang out with her cousins and walking along with um, Louis hand in hand, heading off to church. And then, you know, they were still hanging out together, coming out of it and then seeing Zara and giving her godson George a bit of a cuddle. And then mm -hmm. um, Lena, when she was coming out of church and, you know, I was, church, when you're five, you probably, I mean, you're likely to either declare more music, can I have a snack or can I have the crayons, please, while while you're in there, but she's, you know, pulling on Zara's arm as they're coming down the stairs. And there's there's an absolutely cracking picture of one of the looks she's given her grand princess Anne in a proper sort of pouty small child way, which is very cute. And I'm sure lots of uh, grandparents can very much relate to. Um, did you spot Princess Anne and uh, Tim Lawrence's matching Matching scarves? I didn't. Tell tell me all. So apparently they were both really been boring over the photos. They were both wearing well, I have to say this I, the Hello magazine had spotted this one. I spotted it on there. Um so the Highgrove Heritage Scarf designed by Highgrove and the Prince's Foundation. So they were suggesting it might have been a gift from from the king. So I like the idea that maybe when everybody arrived at Sandringham at breakfast time, it's like when you go to a football match for a special occasion, they put the scarves on the seats. So everyone's come, come down. They've got a scarf <laughs> there, waving them around their heads as they're opening their, uh, their Santa presents. And some lovely comments. I mean, I think we weren't the only ones that enjoyed seeing the family together for their walk. So some comments from listeners. Nancy Hardy said, absolutely loved the annual walk to church. It was covered quite substantially here in Canada. Stephanie said they all genuinely felt like a family this year, especially with the Tyndall and Wales kids. Jack the dog, double one, double one. So lovely to see the natural and loving bonds between the Wales and Tyndalls. Heather Lee, love to see Fergie on the Sandringham walk. I think we'll see a lot more of her this year. Utterly verbose said, could have done with less Andrew, which it is difficult for the royal family, I guess, because, you know, he is 
I guess essentially just saying he's still my brother and he's still part of my family and he may be sort of persona non grata in a public role but he is there in that, those family times and yeah I suppose again it's a different it's a different aspect if you're asking someone or the family being there on the balcony moments at trooping and they were not going to see Prince Andrew at any of these at all but it's very different when you're walking to church and you're going with the rest of your family to leave somebody behind um, because it is that is sort of private, quiet time, isn't it? Not necessarily quiet time. It's it's their private time. It's a it's a it's their holiday, so um, they can do what they want. And certainly, the king's direction was that was that Andrew would be involved. It may be unpalatable for some, and it may be you know completely unchristian to others to to leave him to leave him behind in the house. But he is there, so I suppose in their in their minds, there's no point pretending that he's not there. And lots of people have turned out and with flowers and presents. And I well, think there were a lot of people talking to it. The, the one thing is that it's quite a, um, I suppose it's quite a risky um, position, isn't it? Because people, the members of the public can can go to Sandringham. They don't vet to you. And so you, you could have someone chucking, you know, rotten cabbages at you or whatever, tomatoes, eggs. As there have been, you know, people pelting Charles with eggs last year. This is something that the royal family have got to contend with. So it was all very cordial, which I suppose uh, is a, is a win for them, and certainly for Andrew. Yeah, I wasn't. I don't suspect many of the flowers and uh, teddy bears were for Andrew, but the the Wales children looked like they were having. I mean, they look they look so grown up now. They're doing, you know they're sort of doing more and more bits and pieces while still being children and sort of enjoying their childhood. We obviously saw them arriving for the carol service which i have to say i didn't end up watching because we were out at we were out at the crib service at our local church to see the um the service that which was which was very nice and um i thought actually the king's christmas message when he was talking at the start about how for a lot of people it's a time of of food we actually didn't watch it live because we were busy eating our food so he sort of kind of acknowledges that this is an important part of christmas as well as as well as his message but clearly um the carol service was enjoyed by plenty of people emily messaged to say amazing carol service was wonderful and the king's speech was 10 out of 10 tony aka not another jungle on instagram said love the carol service i made all the wreaths for westminster abbey so it was amazing to see them so well done you made tony them. yeah Someone's got to make the wreath. Fair play to Tony to get so, him on the podcast. That sounds like an amazing job. So yeah, and I think uh, you know people were enjoying seeing the Wales children with their candles, and then Louis looked quite uh, animated during Jim Broadbent giving his reading as well. So um, a lovely thing, I'm sure, for lots of people to enjoy on Christmas Eve. So the King's Chris- King's Christmas message, I have caught, I have caught up with, even though I didn't watch it live, and I thought it was. I guess it was very solemn and it was very solemn and serious and meaningful. There was a bit of, you know, pictures of some of the stuff that we've been doing this year, but it was quite a stripped back setting. He was standing up. We've we've been used to the Queen sitting down, certainly latterly. Um, She's older, but and seeing, you know, which pictures and things that she puts out on on the desks and things around her. There's, you know, it's Charles, it's looking out through the window. It's a very beautiful Christmas tree, um, which will be planted afterwards and has lots of nice sort of wood turned and orange decorations on it. Um, I guess the things, caring, service and the environment, which I guess are three key themes, which are very important for the royal family. And 
so it's that aspect but then there was also the statesman aspect of very much sending a message of peace at christmas time which probably the world needs more now than it has done for quite you know quite a few years really yeah well certainly i mean it was heavily laden with religious significance and i suppose in reference to the conflicts around the world you've got the israel hamas war the russian invasion of ukraine bringing it back to that central tenant of christianity do to others as you would have them do to you um and that was to me one of the the, the most significant aspects of it really i mean because i thought there was a lot of made about the the christmas message praising britain's army of volunteers their selflessness of people who work you know, thousands of community heroes who are essential to our society but it was really very much um centered on that you know peace and harmony aspects and i suppose when you look back at the last few years a couple of two two to three four five years of the royal family there's been a lot of infighting um and christmas is obviously a time to come together for families some families don't come together on christmas because of internal wars within their own families and i suppose that there, there is a, um, a a dual element to this about trying to come together at a time of peace and using those lessons um that were were heavily laden throughout his speech that one sort of casual observer of of, of any religious aspect or indeed the monarch speech at christmas might might not be familiar with but um i thought on that aspect using using the speech to um to sort of give lessons but then examples of things going on in the real world um was quite interesting so talking about the shared heritage with abrahamic religions is a very mm. sort of pointed i mean he you know he did talk about other religions beyond that as well but specifically referencing the abrahamic religions was a very pointed reference to the situation in israel and gaza and the middle east at the moment which obviously is on on people's Minds it yeah, and matters. he and he hasn't sh- and he hasn't shied away from it. I mean, he has been very, very vocal and uh, attending um, in showing his support for for the for the Jewish people, and indeed, I suppose, trying to act as some form of mediator between the two sides from afar. I don't think it's anything we will see um, the royal family get directly involved in, but interesting that they've they've used language to describe. Hamas terrorists and so forth, and the, the and the support for the state of Israel, but I don't, it's not going to go away anytime soon, isn't it? So no doubt the the the, uh, the royal family will um will be doing some more engagements surrounding the um the ongoing conflict as uh, as they have been to show support for Ukraine this year. One of the things I actually thought was most I don't know special in some ways about the speech was the opening and the playing of the anthem on the other balcony at Buckingham Palace and seeing it from that different view and then as you know as, it, as the presumably a drone lifted up and you could see all the way down the mile where there'd been such big celebrations in May and just seeing it from that different view and that balcony which I think they went out onto um, after the coronation to hear the big three cheers from that absolute massive um, military and all of their in all of their uniforms so just sort of seeing that different not exactly behind the scenes but you take him inside inside to the other side of the palace and then the other thing i really liked obviously was seeing um george and charlotte getting their drills out 
and Louis <laughs> absolutely caning it about with a spade, really going for it. I think he'll be big, building some massive castles on the beach in Norfolk in the summer. Yeah, interesting to see what sort of imagery was used because it's normally sort of a trip down memory lane, isn't it? But there, it wasn't. There wasn't too much this year, um, I suppose, and that the, the king probably wanted his words to resonate rather than, uh, especially being from him. Only his second speech in last year was heavily laden with his uh, with his mother's passing, but um, but interesting. We only pretty much saw the the, the Waleses and their children in a, in a small snippet. Um, of the imagery used, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it, well, it is deliberate, isn't it? Nothing happens by accident. I thought that was very, very interesting. Yeah, I was looking out for it. I think there was. I think there might have been a tiny showing of Princess Anne and, and the Edinburghs, and it was actually very similar in the royal family's. You know, the royal family Instagram reel as a, as a quick run through of loads and loads and loads of different pictures. I mean, it started with brilliant Charles and Camilla carriage cam, which is fantastic. Fantastic. Made me also think of carpool karaoke because, like, let's get some. <laughs> well, this is something to karaoke. <laughs> that would be great. Um, can you imagine? I mean, Fergie would be well up for that. She could be. Um, she'd be up for anything. I think she could be James <laughs> Corden, and then she could have somebody come in her carriage and do carriage karaoke. Would be phenomenal, Fergie. You can have that one for free. Producers, if anyone's listening, this is surefire success right here. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so they had the you know had the carriage cam and those nice little moments of Charles and Camilla sort of interacting with each other, waving at the crowds and and um, uh, you know sort of pointing things out to each other. And then again, there's this series of still photos set up like a video. I'm sure many many people have have seen it already, and it's it's quite difficult to catch them because there's so many moving. So actually, really quite quickly and you know partly emphasizes yes we've been doing a lot of things but again it was there was quite a lot of the Waleses and their work and also of the children and kind of minimal showings of Princess Anne and the Edinburgh's which when you think that the Princess Anne is the hardest working royal who does the most engagements is really I find it really interesting that choice and it's I don't think it's well, I don't I'll think it's much about the level of interest in her. It's about no, we're trying no, to portray no. a slimmed down monarchy and it's Absolutely. about us and it's about the future and it's not about my my two sidekicks and my sidekick's wife, who's an excellent sidekick in her own right. Um, you know, it's 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 very much that. It's it's trying to present this aspect of, you know, we've slimmed down the monarchy, there's only us and the Waleses, and there's, you know, any other players that come out onto the balconies at these uh, these moments aren't necessarily part of the uh, the nucleus of the family, which is a little bit disingenuous because they are still living as members of the royal family, as living on behalf of the taxpayer. And I suppose that when you look at some of these polls, that there is a move from the general public to have a more slimmed down monarchy. I tend to agree with Anne. I tend to agree from that I did an interview with ITV News last year saying, you know, how much more can it be slimmed down? We're still going to do the job of having the monarchy. And if you don't want to have it, then there is an argument to completely get rid of it. But there still needs to be a level of support for the charities and the organisations and the patronages. Um, that that requires more than just two or three, four people at the top of the tree doing it. And you know my feelings on whether the, the Wales is doing enough engagements in the UK anyway. But that's why 
people like Anne and Sophie and Edward's contribution is absolutely key to what is happening um, in a sort of a modern monarchy. But they're not getting any younger. And so the patronages of whether it's the Gloucesters or the Duke of Kent, they are going to have to be passed over in due course. And so there will be more responsibility on those who are left. It's interesting what you're saying about, you know, what is the point of the monarchy? Because there was a story in Sunday Mirror front page yes. last weekend about the £2 million poll being done by the government, 175,000 people being asked about the royal family. So it's part of a survey about people's lifestyles being carried out for the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport. Mm. And it's sort of going on over a long period of time. I mean, Ingrid Stewart was fairly like, what is the point of this? We keep asking these people the same questions and you always find some people want it, some people don't want it, but broadly the balance is people would rather have it. I mean, you do, I guess you do have to keep asking the question, but equally 9,000 people were asked last year, including about what the monarchy's main role should be. And in that survey, 28% said it was to provide a sense of continuity and act as a focus for national identity, unity and pride with 23% saying their main purpose was to undertake a constitutional role as the head of state. But the results, some of the early results of this hugely valuable survey have been published by the government. And we found out that 90% said they had heard of King Charles's coronation, which I don't know whether we should be shocked that 10% hadn't or what is the value of this information. Um, well, I was shocked at how many people had... It's a sort of recent poll, but how many people had actually engaged with the coronation? So that was either watched part of it, read part of it, consumed it in some way, and it just was just over huge. half. Yeah, I mean that's that's massive. You know, to, uh, to talk about people being apathetic towards the monarchy, and um, I suppose look at the view. Let's look at the viewing figures of of what people are engaging with the coronation, the Queen's funeral. There is still a, there is still a lot of support for the monarchy, regardless of whether the Republican movements are growing, and I I think our duty is to give voice to those um, those fringe voices as they may be now, because at one stage that they, they they won't be, but it's still there's still a big big support for, for the monarchy in this country and abroad. I think it's also slightly unfair to say what do you think their main role should be, because actually part of the point of them is that they do have all of these different jobs that make up that work and that function and you know make up who who they are you know who they are and what they do is they are the head of state they are part of the focus for the national brand if you like and how we feel about ourselves it's something we talked about a lot probably before the queen died and then after she died and that change of you know how her reign affects our identity and how now Charles's reign will affect our identity being the supreme governor of the church of england fine the you know the christianity is no longer as widely um practiced in the uk as a proportion of the population as it was in in times past but i don't know it's you know that's part of what he does as the royal family that's possibly i don't know in some ways maybe one of the more contentious things and he's found it but, slightly but, but interesting he is a man he is, he is a man of faith isn't he as, yeah. as, more so than his predecessors and I, I think there was always that discussion of whether he would be defender of the faith he didn't go that far but he's, he's always spoken about different faiths um and those those elements that they can enjoy from each other from the harmonious relationships with each other and, yeah, I suppose it's a bit disingenuous to just ask 
what's their role because it is multifaceted perhaps it's a bit lazy but sometimes when you're asking people such a huge question you need to boil it down to the, the simplest lowest common denominator sometimes, sometimes you've got to make you... a choice i guess yeah, yeah and then it's what you focus on so we'll see we'll yeah. see what the results are maybe we'll, we'll ask our listeners to see what they think the main roles are i'll try and do one of those instagram poll things and get modern with the wow so well i've established by watching the wales's review of the year that i'm definitely too old because i mean it's very beautiful and it's brilliantly done it's too fast i can't cope it's yeah. just goes beep, 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 beep. And yeah. I can't just I don't know, it didn't it didn't make me have a funny turn, but it I couldn't see what was going it made me very frustrated. So clearly my brain doesn't. Well, is it that you things. hold this is they're trying to play up to an algorithm that you have to hold the video so then you're on it for longer and then the you get mm. boost of your figure, viewing figures. This is the issue. I don't know. I did establish that it was um the soundtrack was Harry Styles's as it was, and I very much enjoyed the music while the pictures went through. Do you want a fun, uh, a fun Harry Styles fact? Always. The Wales's first ever reel was also done to a Harry Styles track. How do you know these things? The internet told me. I was like, oh, right, have, okay. Have, have they met Harry Styles? Whether they professed their, you know, fandom for him? Uh, I think so. I think William met One Direction back in yes, the day in twenty fourteen. The Royal Variety. A long time ago. So there may have been other meetings since, but you know that was. Um, so I did enjoy that. Also, we cannot not mention the fantastic picture that the Wales has shared around Christmas, around Christmas. Another one from their Christmas shoot by Josh Shinner. Charlotte absolutely owning the situation again, right in the middle, arms around her two brothers, right? You two stay here. I mean, George looks like he's he's totally fine and chilled out. Goodness knows what Louis are looking at off into the distance. It's that sort of, you know, Barack Obama looking vision, looking into the future. It's like the picture I took of my, how old was she? Three-month-old daughter when I was trying to do her passport. Which is an absolute nightmare, but there's one that's brilliant where she just looks like she's having this absolute vision of what the future is. I love it. And Louis is doing exactly that, like looking off into the future or de- maybe debating what he's going to have for lunch, but it's very cute. And um, Yeah, Charlotte, I feel like has been a, a kind of a, a real star of this Christmas period because we've seen a lot more of her than, than we have done for quite a long time and I guess she's she's changed and I don't know it feels a bit more like she's coming well, out since, arguably since the um the queen's late queen's funeral you know we've seen a lot more of her the more engagements the putting her in into the spotlight more at the coronation you know telling her brothers off for not paying attention or when to bow or um then you're seeing her very very front and center of these two photographs that release over christmas is this part of a ploy to sort of say she's she's obviously the most confident i think is is that can be argued can't it of the of the wales children and it's giving an air of the fact that the next generation is in safe hands because she's so confident and assured at such a short, uh, such a young age it must be something as well that i don't know if i was william and kate i think one of the things i'd be fretting about most in the, in a weird kind of way it's not not so much like which schools are the kids going to go to or what I'm going to make them for tea it might be like you know what is actually the future for for Charlotte and Louis and how do we not make them feel like Harry did to a certain extent I guess or, or how for them not to end up like Harry and Andrew because we've got two examples of where mm. things have have not turned out easily for 
some of the children who knew they weren't going to be king in that sort of spotlight. A very so. different world now, though, isn't it? I suppose there's a lot more uh, the, the the focus of the Wales is, is very much on their children and they've not shied away from any of that, have they? They've said that they want to focus on their family and the relationships with their children to give them a, be- a better understanding of the world and and hopefully give them a, a, a better grounding in order to so be more comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, that was probably another interesting thing. I've seen the Tyndalls at um, Sandringham, some of the some of the pictures like Mike joshing about with one of the girls and like a freedom of playfulness in some ways. And, you know, we, I'm a big fan of the Tyndalls. So, you know, they're off at the races for a few years as well. And we see them have, living a different kind of life. It's still a very public life, I guess, through fame, partly through royalty, but also, you know, their sports people and have got that own place and I don't know would we we probably would feel very different about them if they were working royals in some ways but actually they've got that the royal adjacent if you like and a a freedom and it makes it it feel different so Mm. lucky them (laughs) but of course actually the biggest new year message in the end came from Denmark well, it did. I mean, could you imagine getting one of these ourselves? It would uh, be a very, very different King's speech uh, at Christmas time, wouldn't it? But um, the Danish royal family normally have an address, or the monarch has an address on uh, on New Year's Eve, and of course is uh, as watched as our own sort of uh, monarch's address. Um, I think the King's speech was the most watched on the BBC over Christmas Day, and this is no different. And uh, and Queen Margrethe of uh, of Denmark has had many sorts of um, similarities with our late queen over the years. I think they're like a third cousin or something. A lot of the royal families are, are, are related, aren't they? But Queen Margrethe um, only gave up smoking in public when she was uh, in 2015. She was a former member of the armed forces. I think she turned up to a jump in a jumpsuit quite recently in the last couple of years to, to, to purvey Danish troops, but she's um she's a real popular figure. And in Denmark, the royal family goes back, gosh, I think back to like 510 or something. It's got a real sort of um incredible lineage. But um the popularity is sort of uh was being called into question because Crown Prince Frederick, her oldest son, was engaged in a in a bit of a scandal recently. He was alleged to have engaged in an affair with a Mexican socialite called Genevieve Casanova. Um, and they were sort of caught dining at a Paris restaurant. They'd been to a Picasso exhibition. He'd stayed over at her apartment, allegedly, or was certainly pictured going in at night and leaving in the morning. And it all sort of blew up. And the reason why this is sort of quite interesting, not just in Denmark, but the world over, is because... Crown Prince Frederick's wife is Princess Mary, and uh, she is an Australian national, or was an Australian national. Uh, they met in uh, 2000 at the Sydney Olympics, and she was a marketing executive. Um, and the sort of similarities between her and Kate Middleton, the Princess of Wales, have been uh, widely discussed over the years as well. They look fairly similar. Queen Mary is a few years older than her, but but. So that sort of the, the similarities of our, our own royal family, sort of aging queen, um, quite glamorous younger members of the family. But Queen Margrethe has decided after 52 years on the throne to abdicate. So she is stepping back and it's not going to sort of be a um, 
a prolonged handover it's happening in the next couple of weeks so on january the 14th she will hand over power to crown prince frederick he will become the new king and australia will have its first ever queen queen mary will uh will take the throne alongside um alongside her husband so i suppose this is really really interesting because there was a lot of discussion about whether queen elizabeth ii would hand over whether she would um abdicate if she was in failing health she was doing pretty well up until the last few months or weeks of her reign wasn't she but the conversation has sort of sparked more of a discussion about whether charles would do the same thing i mean he's 75 now would he want to hand over to um to william at, uh, at a suitable stage if he was uh if he was sort of getting on a bit and 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 realized that he just wanted to do a few years in the job i can't see that to be honest i know that's been discussed quite widely but i can't see that charles would want to do it but it's a it's very very interesting that the danish royal family is not only slimming down queen margretta um took away titles from her her youngest son and their grandchildren or her grandchildren um and that caused a bit of a a, a stir in uh, in Denmark, and it's been quite interesting to see how Charles has had that rhetoric over the last few years about slim down monarchy, and it's sort of being replicated with the uh, with the other European royals. It must be interesting when you start out with a title and then it gets taken away, as opposed to actually just not getting it in the first place because you're setting out from the start. We're moving towards a slim, exactly, yeah. slim down monarchy. And- and they weren't happy about it either. It caused quite quite a stir, um, and whether their sort of family relations, and obviously the discussion about whether Queen Margaret has has decided to do this now to sort of nip the scandal involving her son in the bud. The, the royal family, or certainly the the, the Danish, um, um, I don't know what the Danish equivalent of the of Buckingham Palace is. I should know that really, but they have not commented publicly. But it was sort of widely. Uh, assumed that they were sort of fighting against the the, the allegations, and certainly um, this is this is definitely going to move it move it forward. He obviously put it down to having a time of reflection after back surgery, and actually in the events um, pictures from the events over New Year, they seem to have like a whole series of events. There's a lot of them where she is sitting sitting down, so possibly um, her health wasn't ideal, but. I, I think because we've been so used to having a queen, I find it absolutely astonishing to find that she's the world's only serving queen now. And I know. Obviously won't be. So that's amazing. And she and our late queen obviously shared a long time on the throne, but neither of them expected to become queen when they were born. So it was due to be the queen's uncle that would have become king and then presumably his future children. Um, and in Denmark, the girls weren't allowed to do the job. And then they, the law changed when Margaret was 13 so that she was going to be able to, to become the queen. So I think that's really, really interesting. But they, they're not going to have a big coronation party in Keith. They're just just hand over the keys and off off you go. So there we go. Keep, keeping it real. Bit of quiche. Uh, invite a few of the, 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 the family over for a, a tipple and, and get on with it. But it's be interesting to see because this scandal has not only enveloped the Danish royal family, it's been widely discussed in Australia because they are obviously um quite in- intent on sort of keeping up with with uh, princess mary as she was what she's up to she has sort of endeared herself to the danish people they had a long term relationship um for about a year and then she moved over to denmark 
she enrolled herself in university. She's fluent in the language. A lot of lot of similarities between her and the Princess of Wales in terms of their uh, their public profile and their charity work. So um so yeah, it will be very interesting. I imagine there will be a royal visit to uh, to Denmark before long. We had Kate uh, was over in Denmark year before last i think um and she was discussing with princess mary a lot of the um work that she'd been doing with early development and that's uh that's the sort of interest of um the new queen mary to be as well so definitely we'll either have them over for a state visit or vice versa in the in the in the um short future i reckon and potential future occasional denmark watch on pod save the king as well so something else to look forward to in 2024 New Year honours, that's another thing that's been going on over over Christmas time. Um, Tony Hudgel, the nine-year-old, is the youngest to get the British Empire medal. We th- people think that Prince George's letter that he posted at Westminster Abbey was was for Tony. Um, so he's, yeah, he's I saw that. Him. Yeah, I mean, no no more worthy recipient. I mean, his little boy is an absolute credit to his um, to his his family, and then all the incredible, amazing. F- feats he's achieved over the last couple of years would you accept would you accept an honor if it came to you oh yeah i mean day man i'll t- i'll take that it's fine. <laughs> straight I mean, in there number one i mean i present a royal podcast <laughs> you know the i, know I think it's more of a debate there was interesting debate from from nitin sawney who um He's a composer who I um, really, really admire. And he had turned down an OBE a long time ago. He's of uh, Asian heritage. And he turned it down because of his... Um, he didn't He didn't want to be associated, associated with something with empire. And then when his father passed away, he got... He was... Um, his father had told him before he passed away that he regretted that his son had turned it down. And then he was offered a CBE and he, and he accepted it um, on behalf of his father. And he's a worthy recipient. recipient. Um, but he made the case, um, as John Simpson has done as well today, that he should, uh, that it should be, ta- that it should be order of excellence. And okay. should and this new dawn with a new monarch change it from empire to order of British excellence. And I would massively get behind that. And I'm sure an awful lot of more people as well would. Yeah, it's interesting when you say that. So even when I was, you know, writing my notes for the show and writing out British Empire medal, I was like, oh, that just Mm. feels so actually weird and alien. And, you know, for a nine-year-old to be ending up with something that's a British Empire just feels quite, anachronistic and just to give a bit more backstory for people who don't know about Tony Hudgel so he lost both his legs due to injuries inflicted by his birth parents who were jailed uh, jailed for 10 years back in 2018 and he's got a wonderful sort of adoptive uh, family and he founded a foundation and raised more than 1.7 million pounds for charity in pandemic which was a pretty epic effort and um yeah he's met Kate a couple of times including at Evelina Children's Hospital so he's he's been doing a great job well do you think we need to start a campaign Russell we're going to make a campaign to change the names of the medals because I think I think honoring people in society is a good thing absolutely of course it is and recognizing their achievements and uh and I think you do you do want something if that's what you um aspire to to have or you think that that's um attainable and for, for certain people, I suppose 
we should recognize their achievements, but I it doesn't sit well with me, the whole empire thing. Well, let's change it. Mm. Let's change it, Russell. We'll give it a go. I mean, Before I'm offered mine, of course, and then uh, I can say I can say I had a, I had a hand in my my own. Well, you could get honor. one for doing the change. I mean, that would be great. That Very would be great, play yeah. within a play. Um, some other people who got awards: uh, Mary Earps, who we talked about on the podcast last time I recorded live with Jen Newton after she'd won the Sports Personality of the Year. So I imagine she might be hoping that she won't get it from William because she probably gets to see him quite a lot through her football work. It'd be much yes. more fun to meet the King. Um, and Kevin Sinfield and Rob Burrow as well, who we also mentioned um, oh, absolutely, yeah. previously, who campaigners around motor neuron disease. And it was uh, their podcast, Rob Burrow's podcast, that the Tyndalls were on before Christmas. Um and King Charles, so most of the honours are sorted out through through the politics and Downing Street and um, the special office that deals with it. But the king does get to give some of his own honours as well. King Charles has made the Archbishop of Canterbury a Knight Grand Cross of the Royal Victorian Order for um, getting the crowns on the heads without them falling off and doing a great job during the coronation and, uh, you know, years of service as well, actually, to various events. Dean of Westminster Abbey, the very Reverend David Dr. David Hoyle has been made a Knight Commander and the conductor of the Coronation Orchestra, San Antonio Papano, has also got a gong. So that's, um, I guess you expect it in Coronation Year, there'll be some special special things dished out. So that's very nice. Right. I think we're done with the old year now, Russell. Let's look ahead to the new one. I mean, Princess well, Anne's got a nice trip coming up. Coronation. We, have, we haven't covered the oh. Coronation um, documentary. Which... Oh, Yes. Boxing Day. Fascinating. If you haven't Ideal. seen this, hopefully it's coming to a uh, uh, a broadcaster near you. Because um, I did. I got all my family gathered around. I couldn't actually make the preview that I um, had been invited to, um, which would have been very special. But it was very nice watching it with all my family on Boxing Day, and I loved it. I thought the the, the behind the scenes element taking you um, on sort of a journey of of after the late Queen had died, preparing for the coronation. Was was actually very very sweet and showed the royals in a in a, a, a fantastic light, which you might not really get to see. And we're talking about you know what sort of what sort of a person is Charles? What was the legacy? What does he want his legacy to be? What is his relationship with his um with his son and the family? Very very warm with with Charles and uh, oh, sorry with William and Kate and uh, and the rest of his grandchildren. And you and you saw different elements of a sort of family man that a lot of people probably don't associate with Charles because he's, he is often referred to as a man from a bygone era, isn't he? But these these different elements and the different um, ways that the family came together to, in order to sort of celebrate him and his big moment were very, very touching indeed. Yeah, it's very lovely. And seeing some of the, you know, obviously like grand preparations and every detail managed very precisely but actually in some of those rehearsals real I don't know was it nervous laughter or was it just genuine actual sort of relaxation and being able to enjoy some of those moments or you know I've got the cape and I can fly and <laughs> you know you might one of the favorite parts talking about the Archbishop of Canterbury when he was when he was um he was fluffing his lines and Charles said to him, you know, something along the lines of, surely you've done this once or twice before. I mean, it's the blessing and... at the end of every service. 
And then they all sort of fall about hysterically giggling. Um, uh, and again, I thought that, that in the moment, it must have been huge, huge pressure. They're worrying about whether they were going to wear gloves to hand, handle the crown jewels. And they decided not to, that you're more likely to drop things. I mean, imagine dropping the orb and the uh, the sceptre and, and the the rod with white dove or whatever it was. I mean, these are ingrained into my mind from this point. Well, that's um, the thing I thought was most fascinating, seeing the crown jewels and seeing them taken apart. And so, you know, the, the sort of the purple, oh, I've forgotten the technical name for it, but, the, you know, the, the hat bit, essentially, that holds the crown together. The and Imperial it's state crown. No, not the imperial state crown, the, just the purple bit, because the crown is the golden bit, which comes apart. And some very brave jeweller has to take a hacksaw to. Oh, yeah, I just saw that. And I didn't realise that that happened. Obviously, you you imagine they've got to be resized. But it's not like when you just go to Moss Bros to have your top hat uh, fitted for... Just have Africa. this one instead. Yeah, exactly. They and or they put you know a bit of paper mache in the in, in the top. They actually have to take it apart and re remake it. I suppose resolder like, it. Sli- it's take a slice yeah. out, yeah, and then yeah, put a really... new bit in and match it up and yeah, do it in really the right cool. way. And it was absolutely and these ancient practices that you would have thought was you know who who is part of the you the dueling team for the the crown jewels i mean it's it's absolutely fascinating and um so if you haven't seen it it's well worth it's well worth a watch and it sort of it gave you i thought it gave you gave me a different aspect to what i thought charles's reign would be about um um i suppose a bit of optimism for the future it was it was quite yeah it was quite um i mean it was very positive it wasn't a no, it was, it was it was it was a great, great bit of PR, but yeah. um, uh, other than that, you know, what, what, what more do you want at Christmas? Want a bit of Christmas cheer? Oh well, probably to know that I'm heading off to the Maldives and Sri Lanka. Well, that like would be Princess nice, Anne. absolutely. Yeah, that'd yeah. be very nice. Are you uh, going to manage to get that one off for us? I haven't got the nod for this one, bizarrely. Yeah, Sri Lanka and the Maldives would be absolutely tremendous, wouldn't it? Especially the way that the weather is at the moment. But um, ding no, ding, well, first weather ding, mention of the year. First weather, we got it in. It took us about thirty minutes, though. To be fair, um, we have we have a lot coming up. I mean, we've got um, I've. Uh, Oh, I've, I've got another trip, some intel on a trip. I can't tell you about just yet, but give me a week or so. And maybe we'll be able to reveal it. However, we certainly do know that the Waleses are going to Italy for their spring tour. We know that Charles and Camilla are going to Canada for their spring tour. We know that Charles and Camilla are going to Australia, New Zealand and Samoa. Samoa being the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting that will be in October. Um, and there's going to be there's going to be a lot to look forward to. I think this is going to be the year of um, expansion, I suppose, and getting out because we really haven't seen too many foreign tours, especially from the from the Waleses. Um, three days is that enough? Not really enough, really, is it for them to to go to um, Italy? It's not like a two week Caribbean tour, two week tour of Australasia. It doesn't seem like. I suppose you can get a lot done in three days. Well, yeah, and you want to do basically you want them to do another one as well. It's not about spending more time in Italy. It's about going well. They're not going to be doing places. that though, are they? They're not going to be doing that. <laughs> I mean, maybe well, let's well, let's wait and see. Who knows? Come on, Russell. Okay. Well, what's what's your New Year's resolutions for the work for the royal family then? Um, what are they? Less, I suppose. I mean, 
doesn't serve a purpose because we like talking about it on this um, podcast. Certainly the, later this week, we're going to see more scandal. I was going to say less scandal, less infighting, but that would probably be their um, New Year's resolutions. But it will be very interesting to see the unearthing of these documents that we're expecting in the coming days in, uh, in, the, in the US. There's the Miami Herald have been fighting to have the civil case document unearthed and there were going to be more legal um, papers um, unsealed and they will include the names of 170 individuals including Bill Clinton and um, Prince Andrew and their relationships and sort of travel diaries to do with Jeffrey Epstein um, and this was way back when from the 2005 case involving Ghislaine Maxwell and Virginia Giuffray and um, and some other allegations for, from a lady called Joanne Soberg so Let's wait and see. We'll, we'll have plenty to talk about next week. And, and what does that mean for the royal family, you know, kicking off the new year, still talking about Prince Andrew and, and Jeffrey Epstein? It, uh, it seems a bit Groundhog Day, doesn't it? Yeah, I think my New Year's resolution would be, because I'm always an optimist, is, is find a way to get friends again with Harry before it's too late. And that goes for all of them. Well, maybe. That, may, that, that might be a realistic one. You never know. Well, we live in hope. Um, listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope you are hopeful at the start of 2024 and have some exciting things to look forward to. Um, one thing you can certainly look forward to is Pod Save the King every week with me, Russell, a host of guests, interviews. If there's people who you think we should catch up with, thank you for those of you who have sent some suggestions through recently. And I'm definitely looking to uh, get some of those in the diary but we're looking forward to sharing another year of royal adventures with you so russell thank you very much for kicking off 2024 with me i'll see you again very soon and listeners until next time pod save the king